Galatians 3.26. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Adam's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. May God bless the reading of his word. All right, before I dive into our next installment here, The Keys to Freedom, I uh, wanted to just mention one thing to you. You know, a while back we filled out these cards, uh, Church on a Mission, and we talked about, we had a conversation about uh, how we want to focus on being a church on a mission. And so we have been praying that God would help us to go deeper and to reach farther. Uh, many of you have been giving towards our outreach fund. And we have things in motion on putting up a, a better, more visible sign out front and that kind of thing. Um, so many of you are fasting each month and inviting people to church each month. And so I thank you so much for your efforts on that. Uh, some of you also expressed interest in, in trying to figure out how we can reach our neighborhood around us. And, and whether that was you or not, I just want to tell you about an opportunity that we have as a church uh, that just that God brought to our doorstep unexpectedly as we were praying about you know how can we figure out how to go to the community right around our church and and just minister to them in some way uh, they came to us in in the form of youth and kids in droves on Wednesday night and surprised us and so we are in the midst of kind of revamping some of what we're doing to be able to handle that and it's an awesome opportunity to be able to speak into the lives of kids who don't know very much at all about Jesus. They're not hearing it at home, they're not hearing it at school, and they've just walked into our building. <laughs> I mean, it's like the mission just came to us. And so sometimes that doesn't mean that it's easy, right? And, and sometimes good you know, problems can be good problems. And this is one of those kind of awesome problems where we, have, we need some help, 
um, but at the same time we have this awesome opportunity to minister to these kids. I was talking to um, some pastor friends about some of the challenges we faced with that and he said, well, you know, are you, he was just asking me personally, are you committed to figuring something out with this? He's a, a pastor that does a lot of this same kind of ministry uh, to kids who need, uh, who, you know, aren't, don't come from a Christian background. And uh, he said, you know, are you committed to this as a, as a pastor? And I said, man, as far as I'm concerned, I would rather, I'm not saying this is the choice we have, it's not. But I would rather quit our adult study on Wednesday nights if that's what it took to minister to these kids. Because those adults already know about Jesus and these kids don't. So let's just figure out as a church, you know, how are we going to make the most of this opportunity? They came to us out of nowhere and they could leave out of nowhere. Right? They could leave just as quickly as... But we have this window of time. And so let's invest in them with the gospel of Jesus Christ the best we can. If you'd be interested in finding out whether you could be a part of that in any way, uh, whether helping us with supplies or helping us upstairs on Wednesday nights or whatever, uh, we're going to have a meeting right after this, just a short one in the fellowship hall to talk about some of what we're planning to do and try and where we might could use some help. And we would love to have you join us just for a few minutes at noon in the fellowship hall uh, today. And... Along with that, we have our fall party this Wednesday night in the Fellowship Hall, uh, where we're gonna, we'll probably have a lot of those youth and kids with us for that evening as well. And so if you haven't already signed up for, uh, to bring something or to set up a game or whatever, then uh, please do so and uh, come and just get to know them, build some relationships, and, and be, show the love of Jesus this Wednesday uh, to both our kids and to those kids that are coming. And so we're excited to have a little party for our kids and uh, maybe maybe play the Monster Mash, you know, something. Let them eat some popcorn and candy and, you know, get them real on a sugar high and send them home. That's the plan. We'll pass out the candy at the end. Boom. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. We're in this series, Keys to Freedom. We've been talking about um, you know, how this Christian life is designed, is supposed to set us free to live the life that God designed us to live. That's the point. And it doesn't do that by modifying our behavior, but by changing who we're becoming from the inside out. God does this through His Holy Spirit, but it's not something that He just does while we're passive and we just sit back and say alright do it God no it's a partnership with God this renewing of our mind and renewing of our spirit and conquering the, the habits and the things that, that are rooted deeply within us we want to attack those roots with the power of the Holy Spirit but it takes a partnership with the Holy Spirit to do that and so that's what this series has been about and today is no different as we dive into generational patterns which are things we often just take for granted uh, or we ignore them or we assume that well that's just who we are there's nothing we can do about those things uh, some of those things are good or neutral sort of things but if we're honest some of the generational patterns that we inherit or that we start uh, they are less than Christ-like and they don't bring life they don't bring peace uh, they are instead a problem and Today we're going to talk about how to deal with that as we talk about finding freedom in Christ, even from things like generational patterns. I was telling a story the other day 
uh, to my kids, when I put them to bed, we, uh, they like me to tell a Papa story. And uh, Papa was my grandfather, and they didn't know him. Uh, so I tell them stories sometimes about it, and for some reason they got fascinated with them. So now every night, even when I don't feel like it, they're like, Papa story, Papa story is Peter. He, his favorite one is Papa Tractor. He wants to hear Papa in the tractor. So uh, one night I was telling them about it, and I was trying to describe Papa's personality for them, and I was saying, well, you know, sometimes he was actually really stern and gruff. And, uh, you know, you might even be a little bit scared, but, uh, but he was also uh, really fun and loving. And even when he was stern and gruff, you never had to worry about whether he loved you or not. And uh, you always knew that. And, and, and then I said, well, kind of like me. <laughs> like, I'm kind of stern and gruff sometimes, maybe too much. And, and, uh, and, but at the same time, you know, we have a lot of fun together. And, I'm loving, and they totally got it, what Papa was like, because it dawned on me that... I'm kind of the same way. And it's one of those generational patterns. Like, I can see some of him in me. Well, that's not the only thing that we probably pass down through our family. And, and uh, that's, you know, not something that I'm ashamed of in any way. And, but, you know, on the other hand, we have things in our family, like some of us deal with anxiety. Any of y'all deal with anxiety sometimes? <laughs> you know? And so we have some issues with that. And I can see that now already in my daughter that's about to turn six. And I find myself heartbroken about that, and I don't want that for her. I don't want that to be a lifelong struggle for her. I don't believe that that's the way God wanted us to live our lives, bound up in anxiety. And I know there's a lot of causes for all that, but I do believe that freedom is possible. And I believe that God can bring that in our lives, whether it's something inherited like anxiety or depression or whether it's something totally different, just like, you know, in our family, we're rude, you know, or whatever the case is for you. So today, as we talk about this topic, maybe you can reflect on, maybe you've been working through the study guide and you've already been reflecting on what are some patterns in my family history, either that were passed down to me or that, honestly, I'm passing down to the next generations. Are those Christ-like? Are there some that need to be dealt with? that I should find freedom from in Christ. You know, one time Jesus was teaching his disciples and some people came to him and they kind of walked up, you know, he did, you don't want to interrupt the rabbi, but his family's outside asking for him and so you just imagine that they kind of snuck up to him and whispered in his ear, like your mom and your brothers are outside and they're asking for you. And Jesus said, you know who my mother and my brothers are? My mothers and my brothers and my sisters are these right here in front of me who are doing the word of God. They're my family. Now Jesus wasn't trying to diss his family. He wasn't anti-family or anything like that. But the point was clear that his priority were those in God's family doing God's will that was his number one family and interestingly it's just the concept right that if we follow Jesus we're born into not just a religion not just a faith not just a way of thinking or believing but into a family 
with a father and with its own set of patterns. And that family is to trump our earthly families. Can't even use the word trump anymore without people thinking about it. I know what you people are thinking. But your mind's out of politics. That's a behavioral pattern you've got to break. No, <laughs> Okay, sorry. So in Christ, we read in Galatians 3, you are all children of God through faith. So the Apostle Paul picks up on this teaching of Jesus that we are in fact children of God. We are in a family. He says, in this family there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He's not saying that literally there's nothing male and female. He's not saying that literally you're not slave or free, or that literally you're not Jew or Greek, because they were, right? I mean, some of them were born with Jewish blood in their veins. They were Jewish some of them were born a slave, or well, they probably not. They didn't have that kind of slavery back then, but they were in a position of slavery, or they were free. That was their reality. They were male, or they were female. But what was his point? No matter what your family connection is, no matter what your tribe is, there's one that supersedes it. First and foremost, you are a child of God. And those other distinctions don't matter so much when we come into the family. There's no, oh, I'm more important than you. No, we're all children of God. And as we're going to find, co-heirs with Christ. You know, these families that Paul describes here came with their own set of generational patterns. Jewish people good generational patterns that they passed down would be a love for the law of God, a love for God's Word, memorizing Scripture and working it into their lives. And, but on the other hand, there was this legalism that also got passed down in many of their families, thinking that they could somehow earn God's favor. The Gentile culture came from a pagan culture that had a lot of rampant immorality that was just built into the culture and built into the worship of their many gods. If you were a slave, you had certain uh, patterns that, that were just part of your existence and likewise for free. And goodness knows we, we still have males and females today, don't we? And we know that we're a little different in some ways. And that can be a challenge just getting on each other. You know, the whole men are from Mars and women are from Venus thing. You know, sometimes it feels that way. And, but you know what? No matter what patterns you inherit from being whatever you are, American, Southern, a good old boy, or a country gal, or whatever your, uh, whatever your you know, title would be. Whatever habits and patterns you've received from that need to be put under the light. Do they work in the family that supersedes those families? If there's a pattern that we've received from being even American and we hold it up against the family of God and say, well, I don't know if that's very Christ-like, then Jesus takes priority on that. 
just like it would be in our family, direct family lines, and our extended family. Whatever patterns we receive from our families of this world, there's a family we belong to first. It says that when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship because you're his sons the reason it's using sons and not daughters there in that culture the sons were the heirs and this is written to men and women in the church to tell them that they are his heirs God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out Abba father so you're no longer a slave as we just sang but God's child no longer a slave to sin I'm a child of God but since you are his child God has also made you an heir heir to what Absolutely. Heir to the kingdom. Heir also of the family patterns and the family glory and the family responsibilities. It's a whole package. When you are fully part of the family, you get it all. all right? When you're not just staying at their house, but you're adopted into the family, then you're part of the family. When you're a full heir, you inherit it. And so it is in this family of God, we inherit the Spirit of God. A Christ-like Spirit. We inherit a new set of patterns and behaviors, thoughts and feelings. It says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Paul began to worry from the reports that he heard about this church in Galatia. They were falling back into old patterns that were not Christ-like. He began to fear even that his efforts were somehow wasted. As they began to prioritize things that would have been familiar to them from pagan worship, things that, uh, even similar things that were, you know, part of Jewish legalism, and as this crept back into their, to their culture, it was as though the freedom that they had found in Christ was being pushed to the side so that they could re-engage in old patterns and think again that they could somehow earn their way into God's favor. And Paul's saying, why are you falling back into these old patterns? Which family do you belong to anyway? Which family is your priority? Which family defines you? That's something we have to wrestle to the ground as Christians. Which family defines you? And today we're going to say that the family that defines you will be the family that refines you. The one that shapes you and molds you and makes you. The one that determines the patterns of your life in so many ways.
chances are, as you got older, people started telling you that you remind them of, you know, somebody, your parent, your grandparent. Uh, this one sweet lady at a place where I was uh, preaching a few years back said, you look just like your great-grandmother. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to take that. But thank you. <laughs> we want to be sure that our Father in heaven, that we're beginning to look more like Him, that we're beginning to look more like Jesus, with whom we're co-heirs of the kingdom. And of all the responsibilities and the behaviors that go along with that. And so we look at our life and we ask, which family defines me? Which family do I make top priority in my life? Which family's patterns do I want to take on? I want to talk to you just for a moment about, practically speaking, how we can do this. And one of the first steps, a kind of a two-part thing, and this is true not just of behavioral, uh, I mean generational patterns, but of most anything that you're dealing with with Christ. One of the first steps is, it, is that you have to recognize it in the first place. And like I say, with family patterns, a lot of times we take them for granted, don't we? It's just, you know, that's what my mama did, so that's what I do, whatever it is. Um, you know, they, we've always dealt with this in my family, and so this is just how it is. But we have to learn to recognize patterns that aren't Christ-like. And then we have to learn to replace them with what is Christ-like. And this maybe is a little bit of a challenge just because some of us, we're not comfortable with, with especially anyone else pointing out some kind of flaw in our family and we get easily defensive naturally of of our families uh, both you know our actual blood family but uh, even broader families in in society you know if you're uh, if you've ever been part of a sports team you know you defend your sports team if you're uh, you know again Louisiana if someone inside Louisiana criticizes Louisiana then fine you know but if someone outside the state you know if if it's one of those Alabama people. Mm. <laughs> We're all like this in different ways. But the thing is, this may not be the faith for you if you're going to be too sensitive about it to face head-on ways that the patterns you've inherited may not be Christ-like because Christianity is built on the assumption that all the families of this world share one thing in common and that is rebellion against God and corruption from sin and hell that somehow even, no matter even if your family has been you know godly and pursuing God for generations somewhere back down the line this is part of your family heritage is rebellion against God and corruption from sin and hell and the gospel is about breaking free from all of that into a new way of life. And so that is the, the very nature of our faith involves recognizing those bits of 
corruption that are still being passed on from generation to generation and saying, no, it stops with me. I'm going to pass something different on. You can break the generational patterns and change your family tree. You can take patterns that you inherited that were good things and make them better. You can take things that weren't so good and choose a better way. Recognize and replace. I'm going to just read a list of things that you know, sometimes get passed on from generation to generation. You may think of others, but if you don't already have something in mind, then maybe take this moment and just pray and ask God, Holy Spirit, would you show me if one of these things are a pattern that I am engaged in and trapped in that I need freedom from? Everything from mental illness to addiction to divorce Gambling, anger, a rebellious spirit, suicidal tendencies, depression, a driving career ambition, you know, being workaholic, arrogance, negativity, relational drama, just a hard time submitting to authority, A lack of expression of love or affection. Obviously that list could keep going, but just be quiet for a moment in your spirit and ask God, is there a pattern that He would have you to work on and focus on? That He would have you to recognize as something less than Christ-like in your life? Once you've recognized a pattern like that in your life, uh, we follow some of the same, use some of the same tools that we've already talked about through this series of beginning to renew our minds and to speak truth through Scripture into our lives and to uh, pray through things. And ultimately, we don't want to just root something out without replacing it with something else or some other weeds just going to crop up there, right? So. Consider what it is that you need to replace that pattern with. Likely it may be something of the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. These things are of the Spirit. And they run directly counter to many of the patterns that we just listed, right? So you might be able to easily find, hmm, I need to replace that pattern with peace. Holy Spirit, help me. I need to replace that pattern with patience. I don't show affection, I need to replace that with love. And gentleness. We recognize and we replace. 
When I was in college, I went through a season where I struggled with lust, and I didn't know if that was a generational pattern that I was inheriting or not. I, the internet was a fairly new thing, and so it wasn't even something that generations before me probably would have been exposed to in the same way. But I was, I was introduced to this idea of generational patterns while I was in college. And it dawned on me that regardless of what had happened before me generationally on this topic, that this was very much something that I could end up passing on to my kids. And of course, I mean, I hadn't even met Julie at that point. I was just, you know, hoping that I'd get married and have kids someday, you know. But, and in that moment, you know, I just, I did not, it, that was like the biggest thing that fired off in my brain is I need to win this battle, not just for me, not just for my future relationships, but for the future generations that come after me. So I recognized what was going on, and with the Holy Spirit's help, I replaced those things in my life. And then we, I've had a son now, and he's two years old. And already I stress out about, did I mention sometimes we have anxiety in our family? Already I stress out about, well, how can I prevent him from ever having to deal with that, you know? As if, as if I can ward off all temptation by my might and will, you know? Uh, how can I set him up for success in that? In this crazy world where, man, it, it seeks guys out. They don't have to go looking. It's looking for them. And that stresses me out. And I think, you know, how can I help him win victories where I lost victories or not be susceptible where I was susceptible? And it dawned on me as I prepared this message that I've already done the most important part. And that took just a little bit of a burden off of me. Because I recognized the pattern for what it was and what it could become. And I chose to replace it with something different. I'm not perfect and I've got plenty of things still to work on, but I'm glad that I found freedom in that area of my life so that at the very least, I can tell my son when age-appropriate time, <laughs> that look, I found freedom from this. You don't have to be in bondage to this just because so many guys are in this world. What is it that you need to find freedom from? Freedom is possible through Jesus Christ, and I believe that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for adopting us. We thank you for new birth, for a new family to define us and refine us. God, we confess that uh, there are patterns in our lives, many of them we inherit, that are less than Christ-like. They're harmful, sinful. Chances are we've also inherited some really good things in our lives. Help us to sort through those things that we need to encourage and those things that we need to recognize and replace in our lives. Help us to forgive where forgiveness is needed within our families. Help us to replace old patterns with your new way of life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.